Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Favre. Favorite listeners, welcome to the pastor's office. It's Pastor Jonathan Mason, and I'm thankful that you are here today uh, for this very special edition of the show. Uh, I'm normally a little bit more high energy uh, when we come together, but today, 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 we've got to talk about this issue of hate crimes and mass shootings that is overtaking our country. Somebody's got to help me understand how a country that makes up 4% of the world population has 30% of the mass shootings in the world. Mass shootings, by and large, don't take place in most countries around this world. They take place here in the United States of America. Listen to a few of these data points I'm going to share with you. Sandy Hook, Newton, Connecticut, December 14th, 2012. 28 people dead. Charleston, South Carolina, June the 17th, 2015. Nine people dead. San Bernardino, California, December the 2nd, 2015, 16 people dead. The Orlando Nightclub, Orlando, Florida, June the 12th, 2016, 50 people dead. Las Vegas, Nevada concert, October the 1st, 2017, 61 people dead. Sutherland Church in Texas, November the 5th, 2017, 27 people dead. Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Texas, February the 14th, 2018, 17 people dead. Pittsburgh Synagogue, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, October the 27th, 2018, 11 people dead. Thousand Oaks, Thousand Oaks, California, November the 7th, 2018, 13 people dead. Virginia Beach, Virginia, May 31st, 2019, 13 people dead. Asterix, 
one of my great pastor friends and mentors. His son was killed in that massacre. Go back to Charleston, Asterix, one of my fraternity brothers, a Phi Beta Sigma fraternity, preacher, pastor, killed in that massacre. Continuing on, El Paso, Texas, August the 3rd, 2019, 23 people dead. San Jose, California, May 26, 2021, 10 people dead. Buffalo, New York, May 14th, 2022, 10 people dead. Uvalde, Texas, May 24th, 2022, 22 people dead. Let's look at some 2022 statistics. In 2022, and we're only at the end of May, there have been 27 school shootings. There have been 214 mass shootings as of this date. This year in 2022. Brothers and sisters listening, and I know that was a long list, but sometimes we've got to take the time and really bring to the forefront the gravity of the situations we're dealing with. I wrote down all of the mass shootings that have taken place in the last 10 years in this country. I literally could go through that list and it would take up the hour that we have together today. We ought to be at this point sick and tired of being sick and tired. At this point, some action needs to be taken. We pass common sense gun legislation out of the House. Then it goes to the Senate and it dies. We've got two Democratic senators, Manchin and Cinema, who will not support the removal of the filibuster, even on issues this critical. Our Republican brothers and sisters on the other side of the aisle will not take action. What hold does the NRA lobby have over our politicians? What is the issue? I've got 20-some acres down in Virginia. Let me be clear. I'm a proud long gun and handgun owner. I enjoy going down there to hunt. But last I checked, none of the bears, none of the deers wear Kevlar vest. I don't need an AR-15 to hunt. These weapons are made to kill people. And at the age of 18, both of these killers in Buffalo and in Texas were 18 years old. 
And at the age of 18, they were able to secure guns and commit these mass murders. It's time for us to deal with this issue. I don't want to see another empty press release from another organization. I'm sure they're going to come out. I ain't reading them. Because a press release is not going to get us where we need to go. Churches, businesses, community members as a whole, we've got to come together and protest until something changes. Dr. King and all of those brothers and sisters of all races that fought for our rights during the civil rights era, they protested until something changed. We got to protest until something changes. We've got to go to the polls and elect people that are going to make something happen. I'm tired of seeing our children die by guns. These precious babies in Texas, fourth graders, their lives were just beginning. Just starting. School is supposed to be a haven. A place where you go to get an education. A place where you go to fellowship and socialize with your friends. Go to gym class. Go to art class. They went to school on the 24th and they died. And the children that survived will be scarred for the rest of their lives with what they witnessed. Parents who where parents now wake up and know they'll never speak to their children again. My brothers and sisters, we got to do something. We got to deal with this. Today we're going to talk about it. We've got two guests coming up. One is the president of the Buffalo Common Council. He's the pastor of the True Bethel Baptist Church. Bishop Darius Pridgen will be our first guest. And then in our second segment, we'll be talking to Texas Congressman Al Green. We're going to take a quick break. You stay tuned. Don't you go anywhere. We're going to come back and talk about this very important issue. Hate crimes, mass shootings in these United States of America. We'll be right back. Philly's favorite listeners, uh, to start off our conversation today uh, about the issues of mass shootings in the United States, uh, I want to welcome into the pastor's office the president of the Buffalo Common Council and senior pastor of True Bethel Baptist Church in Buffalo. This is Bishop Darius Pridgen. Brother President Pridgen, how are you today? I'm good, sir. 
Thank you. Listen, I want to thank you for taking time out to speak with us today. Uh, We know that on May 14th, the lives of many in Buffalo were changed. And I've got to start out. I know you're born and bred in Buffalo. Did you know any of the victims or any of the victims' families? Oh, absolutely. Buffalo, um, although it's the second largest city in the state of New York, Black Buffalo is a very close-knit community. I'm burying one of the victims tomorrow. Another was a constituent of mine on the council uh, because we have districts that we also represent. Um, And another from the Amy Zion Church, which I grew up in. Um, And so probably more than half of them, there's some connection. That's tough, Pastor. That is really tough. Um, And I know that uh, many of the services have been taking place over the last couple weeks. I mean, how is the community doing right now? Um, We're not doing good. Um, I I can give you firsthand account because I actually live, I just moved, well, I shouldn't say just, three years ago I moved into this community on purpose, uh, and I only live two blocks away from the store. My grandmother's house is right behind the store. So I see it, you know, we're not, we're not well. And I, and I go back to a question you just asked me. You asked me how I'm doing. And I said, I'm going to stop saying that because I've been saying good and then I have to retreat. We're not well. Um, it's tough. It's numbing. Um, but we're coping. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious uh, as to the reaction. I mean, you, you serve as the president of the council. Uh, and and for those of you listening here in Philadelphia, the Common Council in Buffalo uh, is just like the Philadelphia City Council. So, Pastor Pridgen, Bishop Pridgen, President Pridgen, fine. <laughs> you, you wear a lot of hats. But the bottom line is that you and your team are responsible for that community. So there is a push. And matter of fact, I submitted a resolution for the council's consideration on Tuesday that has the Buffalo Common Council requesting our federal legislators to consider, and you use the words that I've been hearing and that I used in the resolution, common sense gun laws, because I want to be clear. I believe in gun laws, but yeah, I, I, I carry. And at the end of the day, I believe in common sense. So I appreciate you utilizing those words. And, and what does common sense gun legislation look like to you? Well, I'm a veteran, and there's certain weapons that that I used when I was in the Air Force and that I was trained on, and those weapons were meant to kill. They were they they had no other purpose other than to kill. Um, I think we have to look at the type of weapons that we're allowing to be sold. I think that I, I am all for background checks universally uh, and also mental health checks. Um, I think that people have a right to carry by our Constitution. I just don't believe everybody should have access to everything. You know, James said faith without works is dead, and, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm going to be talking to uh, Congressman Al Green in the next segment of our show. But, Doc, i got to be honest with you. I believe in, in thoughts and prayers, but it's time to take some action. And, and I'm curious, uh, you know, how does the church community, how does the business community, how does the local community, in your mind, come together to get our elected officials to act and get some common sense legislation passed? Well, you know, I, I, I totally agree with you about uh, the prayer, and I've, t- I've said this over and over. 
uh, that praying is appropriate and we need it, especially as people of faith. However, I'm sure that everybody who was afraid of Goliath, the giant, I'm sure some folks were praying, but it took somebody, a little, little young boy, <laughs> to get, get some stones in his hand and go, y'all pray, and I'm, maybe I pray on the way. Uh, but but I'm going to do, um, and I think that first first of all, if usually what we have seen from whatever side of the aisle, whether it be those on the Democratic side who are hesitant and go along just to get along, or those on the other side who don't want to hear anything about it, usually until it affects their community. Like, like it has affected ours, there's not a whole lot of movement. But I think we, we have to be organized. You know, as elected official, the people often, what I've seen as a pattern and what moves elected officials is consistency, um, is organization, uh, that just does not go away. And that really explains to them how this affects them. The, the, the resolution I did, which is not going to change the world, but it, it does show what Buffalo, how we feel. And when our staff first started uh, writing it, it was like, I'm going to go against the Republicans. And I said, oh, hold it, hold it, hold it. We can fight them or we can educate them. And we can get them somewhere to the middle so that we begin to move this needle forward. Um, and so I think it's going to take an effort, the same effort that we see for other issues, righteously, rightfully. We're going to have to do it. But, but I want you to notice some of these same legislators, although we were, we were very loud during Black Lives Matter, during the, the righteous police protests, they, it didn't change them at all. It has to be constant and consistent. I'd be remiss if I didn't deal with the gunman. Uh, and the gunman was 18 years old. He's mm -hmm. not from Buffalo. He mm -hmm. came hours to Buffalo. As a matter of fact, this was premeditated based on all of the evidence that we've seen thus far. And it's clear based on his social media postings that uh, this was racially motivated. We had, we had all blacks killed in this shooting. He came to shoot black people. We know that over the last several years, uh, white nationalism has become, gosh, uh, it's, it's become more overt. But folks like me and you know, it, it, it's always been there. Uh, and it's always been clear that it's been there because we've dealt with it. Uh, talk to us about two things. One, uh, how this has impacted race relations in your local community, but two, how these dog whistles that so many of our politicians uh, use so frequently uh, is affecting our country and leading to these type of uh, crimes being committed. Well, how it is affected here right now, and I'm, I'm saying this right now of where we are in this grieving process. You know, first there was shock. Then there was all this unity that was going on and is still going on. But sooner or later, if it's not dealt with, it's going to turn to anger. And right now in our community, and, and there's a lot, it's, like I say, right around the corner from my house, two blocks. When I drive down Jefferson right now, there's a lot of people from other communities. They're feeding folks. They're, they're giving away everything they can figure, give away out of their attics. There's kumbaya moments, everybody. But, but after the last funeral comes Saturday, some of those folks, most of them will be gone, and they will go back into their communities. And that's when the anger will set in. 
because there's going to be people who go, y'all came around for a minute, um, and, and, and now you're gone. Where, where's the lasting effects? Because you all are the CEOs of the companies. You all are the managers of the banks. You all are the people in power that could help to turn around um, what has been, what, like you said, what we know for forever since all of our lives. But are you still going to stand up against racism and white supremacy? Um, so right now, Everything's good. There's interface services. I mean, I can't even get to all the stuff that's going on right now because it's just so many people want to do so many things. But when they're gone, what's going to really matter is will that continue to reverberate? Um, when we look at nationally, because there are very few consequences and because there is a segment out there of white supremacy that um, un until they are gone, and, and that's just, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be in my lifetime, or until they're so embarrassed and exposed. You, you, got the, you know, we, we love to expose folks. Let's expose some of these conversations of white supremacy here. I'll give you an example real quick. Here in Buffalo, um, there's a black mayor. I'm the I'm a black council president. The majority leader of the state assembly is a black woman. There was a white man who's all in our community all the time. Uh, he's helping us. He was with another white man in a car. The white man records him. And this guy says on tape, on tape, um, you know, when, when these black people get in, basically, when they get in, in power, they want it all. And that, that, like, this is a guy who wow. I've sat. Wow. At the table, with the white guy shared, leaked the 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 sound bite to the media, went all over. There were black people that stood up with this man. You got to be black kidding me. people that stood up with him. Now later, one one of the sisters who stood up to him came to me and apologized. She said, "Hey, I want to come. I know I stood up with him, but it blew my wig back, and I'm bald headed. <laughs> it blew my wig back that that the little consequence." of people who are racist, of people who are white supremacists, sometimes, sometimes they're buoyed by us. Wow. 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 You just blew me away with that one, Doc. Man, you it blew, blew me, me away. away. I couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it. I expected black people to go, we, we, no, they were, well, you got to understand. I don't got to understand. I, I'm trying not to curse. I know you're a pastor. <laughs> I know I'm a pastor, but I don't understand a dang on thing. Right. When black people don't stand up against it, and I definitely don't understand it. When we talk about um, on the other side of the aisle, most of those are God-fearing Christians. If their pastor ain't saying anything, and this is what I say, and I say to my my clergy, it, it, my, my, my colleagues who are black and white, don't call me talking about you, you, I'm sorry for what happened and you're not standing up against white, white supremacy. And you, you pastoring some of them people from the other side of the aisle. That's part of the problem. It's not just the leadership on the other side of the aisle. It's the people they sit in those pews with also that are not decrying it who are supposed to be influencing them. Wow. President Darius Pridgen, Pastor Darius Pridgen, uh, I want to thank you for joining us today, and I'm hopeful and prayerful uh, that you can come back when we can spend some more time together uh, talking about this issue. Uh, but in the interim, I want you to know that we are praying for you, praying for the families that are grieving and bereaved right now. 
Uh, and like you said, the pain really sets in after all of the other folk leave. I say that to grieving families all the time. Yep. Uh, so, so, so that time is coming, and we know we still have work to do. Uh, so, Sarah, you've got a, a mountain of a job ahead of you along with your teammates, and I want to pray that everything works out uh, as God would will it to work out. Uh, if we can be of any help to you, we're right here. Philly's Favor, 100.7 and 99.5 HD3. My brother, thank you for coming in today. Thank you for having me. God bless you. And we'll be right back after these commercial messages. Hey, Philly's favorite listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office for this very special edition of our program. We certainly want to thank Common Council President of Buffalo, Bishop Darius Pridgen, for joining us in our first segment. But now, of course, we know that on the 24th in uh, Uvalde, Texas, there was another mass shooting. Uh, 22 people lost their lives, 19 of them. We're fourth graders. It's hard to even say that. It really is difficult to say that. Uh, but I wanted to invite into the pastor's office a gentleman that's been fighting for the rights of his constituents for a mighty long time. And I actually saw an article, uh, actually watched an interview with him where uh, he shared that thoughts and prayers are no longer enough. Uh, and and when I saw that, I knew I wanted to speak to him today. So without further ado, I want to welcome into the pastor's office, uh, Congressman Al Green. Congressman, welcome into the pastor's office. Well, thank you, Pastor, for having me. And I am greatly appreciative for the opportunity, but I must tell you I'm saddened because of the occasion. Uh, one would not want this to be uh, the first opportunity to be interviewed by you, uh, such a, an occasion wherein we've had babies, literally babies, who have been murdered, massacred in my state of Texas. Um, I can only imagine, and that's about all I can do, what those families are having to cope with on this day after having taken their children to school and returned to find that their children were no longer with them. It's a very sad occasion, but thank you for having me on. Yeah, Congressman, I, I know your schedule is busy, and, and, and I want you to know we appreciate the fact that you came on, uh, because we got to talk about this thing. Um, this, this issue of mass shootings in our country, at the beginning of the show, I ran down several of the mass shootings that have taken place in our country over the last 10 years years. Congressman, a lot of them have taken place in Texas. And and that's why your statement resonated with me uh, when I saw you being interviewed the other day. I believe in prayer. I know prayer works. Uh, I know what prayer has done in my life. But James also said that faith without works is dead. Uh, and, 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 and we've got to take action. Congressman, talk to me. Tell me. Help me. Why have we not taken action on common-sense gun legislation? Well, my grandfather was a pastor, and uh, like you, I'm intimately familiar with James, too. You're right, and I, I completely agree. John Kennedy amplified this in a different way uh, at his inaugural address. He said that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own. God gives us the ability to get things done. And with that ability, we are blessed. We are blessed. 
to, to be in a position such that we can make a difference, to be members of Congress, to be members of state legislators, legislatures, to be members of school boards, where we can make a difference. So your point and your question is a salient one. Why haven't we done it? Pastor, there are people who seem to believe that being in office is more important uh, than serving the people that put them in office. Pastor, we should never put the politics of the country or of your given district above the people. The people should come first. And if the people come first, then you would not want an 18-year-old who just turned 18 to be able to walk into a gun shop and buy a weapon designed for war, a weapon designed to kill people. It's not a hunting rifle. It's designed to take life, the life, the precious life that God has given to a select few in the universe. Uh, I don't want an 18-year-old to be able to do this when in Texas, that same 18-year-old can't rent a car. That same 18-year-old can't buy, as we have said it many times, a beer. Well, I don't drink, but uh, I don't think that we ought to let people who can't buy beer be able to buy lethality, uh, such as what is uh, the case with these AR-15s, uh, lookalikes if they're not actuals. So I think that we, unfortunately, are allowing ourselves to put, and when I say ourselves, I mean politicians in the main, to put politics above people, and that's very unfortunate. Thank you for that answer, Congressman. I really appreciate that. So one of the things that I, I, I saw that you mentioned, and we're going to come back to legislation in a moment, but one of the things I saw that you mentioned in one of your statements uh, is that it's time for clergy to speak up, uh, time yes. for the business community to speak up, time yes. for school boards to speak up, uh, time Amen. for all of these different sectors to come together and speak up uh, and and protest in an, in an effort to end this gun violence and get this get legislation passed. Talk to us a little bit more about, about your thinking in that area. Well, the first question would be, Congressman Green, why would you select those specific entities? Why them? Because the killings of babies are taking place in schools. The school boards have a duty to defend the lives that have been lost. So they should speak up. Why, why the business community, Congressman Green? Because it was a food store in Buffalo, New York, where a person went in and just murdered people with, by design, by the way, looking for people of, certain, of a certain class. So the business community has a duty to speak up. Those are your, your consumers. You've got a right and a duty and an obligation to defend them, to speak up and say that they need and deserve uh, to be protected. And finally, why the faith community? Because it was in 2019 that a synagogue was shot up in San Diego, California, because it was a Tree of Life synagogue in 2018, because it was Mother Emanuel Church. These churches, these synagogues, these places of worship are targets. And the ministers, the people of faith, have a duty to speak up and defend the lives that have been lost, to say that this is unacceptable. And I do believe that but for Dr. King marching and speaking up, I don't know where we'd be today. 
Uh, but for John Lewis crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge on Bloody Sunday, people have to take a stand against injustice because, as Dr. King so eloquently put it, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So they have to, we all have to speak up. You can't leave it to the politicians, Reverend. You can't. Because if you just leave it to them, they will put politics above people. But when the clergy gets involved and the business community, the Chamber of Commerce gets involved, and when you find the school boards start to say, hey, we, these children have got to be respected and defended, I think you'll see a change. Congressman, I, I appreciate that, and, and I believe in protest. You know, uh, when I served as international president of Phi Beta Sigma, when Michael Brown uh, was killed, we went to the scene and we protested. We, we, we were always on location and on the ground. So I believe in that. My concern, and maybe you can help me here, is that just this year, we're, we're only at the end of May, but just this year, there's already been 27 school shootings. Just this year, there have already been 214 mass shootings here in the United States. Those statistics are jarring. What can be done now? We know that we can't get the votes in the Senate. We know that Manchin and Cinema are not going to buckle on the filibuster uh, uh, in order for us to be able to get some legislation passed. Does it lie within executive orders that expire when Biden leaves office? Help me understand what we can do now, today, to start taking some of, as you already said, weapons meant to kill people off the streets and not allowing access to individuals who can't even rent a car. Yeah. To punctuate your uh, commentary with your statistical information, we have 4% of the world's population, Pastor, and we have 40% approximately of the guns that civilians possess. 4% of the population, approximately 40% of the guns. Wow. So if guns could solve our problems... We wouldn't have problems. Uh, it, that's not the solution, a good guy with a gun versus a bad guy with a gun. Yeah, that's the eye for an eye. Old Testament is not going to work. So here we are, and here's what I say. I say that when my grandfather taught me, uh, grew up on a farm in the country for part of my life, if he had a dog that would hunt, He'd get another dog. He wouldn't take a dog on a hunt that wasn't going to hunt. So if you elect people to office that won't serve the people, then at some point you have to vote for people who serve the people. I believe that we have elections for a reason. And I believe that people have to be evaluated. And if you find that you have people that won't vote for laws that would not allow us to have these weapons of war on the street that would laws that would would prevent us from being able to sell them to 18 year olds right after their 18th birthday without any training i might add laws that allow persons to um, with impunity uh, be able to uh, make these purchases and uh, and walk the streets openly and notoriously with these guns in texas in texas you, you, you buy that gun, you've you got the right to walk downtown with it, openly and notoriously, with impunity. 
So if, if these are the kinds of, of uh, laws that you want, then you keep the status quo. But if you want change, then you have to vote for change. I believe that good old American uh, democratic republic democracy can make the difference. But we have to have the will. Unfortunately, Pastor, in many cases, we get the government that we elect. That's a prolific statement. Let me ask this question. Uh, it was part two, or actually a part of what I just shared with you. Uh, is there any type of executive order that could come from Biden's desk, President Biden's desk, that could help us, that could help the country? Uh, at least that would last the, the length of his term. The president just on um, yesterday signed an executive order that codifies at the federal level some of what we want in the George Floyd justice and policing legislation. Um, he requires that body cameras be on, bans chokeholds, which is very important, bans uh, no-knock laws. Breonna Taylor comes to mind. Uh, that was a very good thing for him to be able to do at the, legis- at the, at the federal level. But if we want this at the state level, if we want this to be at the national level as law, uh, then we, we have to pass a law. The president is not a legislator. He is the, uh, the head of the executive branch of the law. The legislative branch has to pass the actual law that can make things um, permanent. Uh, I would love to see the president be able to pass a law to deal with guns, and guns being sold. But unfortunately, that's a legislative action. And I don't believe that this president would pass up the opportunity if he could, to be quite honest. I see him as a good and decent man who's trying to deal with people who have um, made decisions based upon politics that are antithetical to the best interests of the people they serve. So he's a good and decent man. I believe that if he could, he would. But this is something that requires legislation to get done, to to deny 18-year-olds the right to have these guns of war. Uh, And the House has already passed legislation addressing this. It's in the Senate. And we have some senators who are recalcitrant. Uh, They have decided that they will not budge on this issue. Uh, They won't pass They won't take up these issues, uh, notwithstanding the fact that we can get around the the cloture rule that requires 60 votes before you can pass something with 51 votes. We can get around that. That's a way to deal with it, and it's quite simple how you do it. Uh, But uh, they won't do that. So here again, we're back to when will the people decide that they're not going to have dogs that won't hunt? You're listening to Philly's Favor 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. Uh, we are talking to Texas Congressman Al Green. And again, Congressman, I want to thank you for coming in and talking about this very important issue. As we prepare to depart, end the interview, man, listen, our listeners need some words of encouragement right now. And I'm not asking for one of your grandfather's sermons. 
But but what can you say right now to our listeners that uh, are here in Philadelphia and listening all across the country through our app? Uh, what can you share with them right now that might might give them some some hope to keep on pressing on this journey to make sure we get this common sense gun legislation? Well, I thank you uh, for closing on a positive note. I, I think it's always good to close as positive and upbeat as, as you can. Uh, this is why my grandfather would never close a sermon without going to Calvary. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know of what I speak. Oh, that, yes, sir. Uh, yeah, you got it. You got it. You got to take the flock to Calvary. That's right, uh, Pastor. This is not hopeless. The American people are not in a hopeless situation, and, and we're not helpless. We have a constitution that specifically allows us freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of movement. I, I marvel at how well Pastor Reverend Al Sharpton uses uses this freedom that we have to speak and to express. It's a wonderful thing to have it, but it's a very, very sad thing to have it and not use it. And I would say simply this, if you can't get out and march and protest, then you can vote on election day. And I would just encourage people to get out and vote. I mentioned uh, if you have a dog that won't hunt, how you get you another dog. Well, on election day, if you have a person in office that won't take a bold position on the issues that impact us, then I think you have to get another person. Elect people who are going to serve the best interests of the people they are placed in office once they win to represent. If you can't represent them, then why are you in that office is the question that we have to ask. And, and, and it can be done. We just have to turn out in large numbers. So November is going to be a very significant election, uh, election, and it's very important that we engage in this process. So please, don't let any obstacle prevent you from getting out and voting. Don't let the weather prevent you from doing it. Uh, don't let uh, the notion that uh, you, you, you didn't have enough time. Vote early. Uh, vote uh, on the, the Sunday that you can vote if you can. If it's not available to you, then find a way to be off uh, for an hour or two from work and just vote. I believe in voting. I believe in voting and peaceful protest. So those are two good options that are available to us in this country, and I would ask people to exercise them. And earlier when I spoke about uh, getting a, a, uh, a dog that will hunt, uh, I want people to know that I, I don't compare human beings to dogs. That was not my intent. My intentionality was to say that we need people who are going to put people above politics. And the way you acquire this is to put them in office yourself by voting. Pastor, I thank you very much. And uh, I, I regret that I won't be in your church this Sunday to hear the <laughs> sermon that you'll, that you'll, that you'll present. Uh, I'm confident that it's going to have power. It's going to be portable because people need a portable sermon, something they can take with them, and it's got to be impactful, and I believe that what you have on your heart 
is going to impact your congregants. Well, you know what? Nahum, the first chapter and the seventh verse, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he yeah. knoweth them that trust in him. And here's the title of the message, Tragedy, Trouble, and a Mighty yeah. Good God. Congressman Al Green, we want to thank you for joining us in the pastor's office today. And if I can, I'll send you a link as we take that congregation to Calvary this coming Sunday. All right. Thank you, Pastor. God bless. God bless you. I live in mm, Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. Yeah.